0: Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Football Unscripted on the Pit Talk Network. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and we have a very special episode for you today. It's all about the Panthers and the NFL draft. Specifically, though, the two Panthers drafted to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kalijah Kansi in the first round, Servasie Dennis in the fifth round, both headed to Tampa Bay and uh, especially Kalaja Kansey, a big deal for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization. I was thrilled to have on David Harrison of the Locked on Bucks podcast for a great conversation. Talked all about what he thinks, where, where he thinks Kansey will be able to slot in. Same with Servasi Dennis, what the Bucks are going to expect of them, what fans are expecting. What, how they envision them at that next level, the changes that they're going to be going through. Really, really interesting conversation that I'm excited for you to all hear. Uh, so that will be the episode for this one, all about Kalasha Kansi and Servasi Dennis being drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, hopefully coming up next week, we'll have a more all-encompassing episode about the Panthers drafted into the NFL what it means for them and the different spots that they have. So we're looking uh, for that hopefully next week. Uh, but for until then, for now, please enjoy my uh, excellent conversation with David Harrison of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Okay, we are here with my guest David Harrison from the Locked On Bucks podcast to talk about the Pit Panthers drafted to Tampa Bay. David, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it.
1: No, I appreciate the invite, Corey. How are you?
0: Doing well, doing well, and uh, thrilled to talk to you because uh, Pitt and the Buccaneers now have a bond. They are now tied together uh, in the fate of two players, but especially one. And we're going to start with him. That is Kalijah Kansi, the star Pitt defensive lineman who was the first-round draft pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2023. Went 19th overall to the Bucs. Uh, first uh, pit first rounder since last year with Kenny Pickett, who mm. is uh, the looking to be the face of the franchise for the Steelers. First pit draft pick on defense since Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players in the history of the NFL. So, uh, you know, pretty big honor for Kalaja Cansey going first overall. Mm. A lot of – there there were a lot of comparisons to Aaron Donald at Pitt, not quite at the same level, but certainly the best defensive lineman since Aaron Donald. Right. Uh, now, for Pitt fans listening, they've been watching uh, Kalajah Kansi for the last few years. For for you, when you're focused on an NFL team, obviously you're not going to be in tune with every player. And right. so when Kalajah Kansi gets drafted to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – What's your first impression of him? I assume not knowing a ton about him.
1: No, I was really excited, and I got—I have to—I uh, have to first off admit that I was excited for partially selfish reasons. Um, for for most of the off season, everybody has been mocking an offensive tackle to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round, and for very good reason. They let go of Donovan Smith, their veteran left tackle. Uh, the expectation is that Tristan Wirfs, their All Pro caliber right tackle, is going to move. Uh, over to left tackle, I actually had uh, the Bucks team reporter on my own show for our Friday episode, and she more or less confirmed that expectation is, is what is being expected inside the building as well. So, you know, regardless, when you have one all-pro tackle and then a bunch of backups, you essentially have no tackle on, on one side of the line uh, or the other. So Darnell Wright was a very popular name. But as we all saw moving up, you know, actually once we got closer to the actual NFL draft. Uh, Darnell Wright's popularity and his stock essentially shot through the roof. And all of a sudden, he's a top 15 pick. And if you're the Buccaneers sitting at 19, that's a problem. Um, So, you know, when I sat down to do my only first round mock, I did, uh, you know, a bunch of Buccaneers mocks. I also cover the Commanders. So I did a bunch of Commanders mocks, uh, stuff like that. But I only did one full first round mock. It dropped the morning of the first draft or the first round. I, again, reading just the reports and the rumors and, and what to believe and what not to believe. Uh, I I had Kalil Johnson number nineteen to the Buccaneers, so I feel very good about being one of the only people to do that. And really, at the end of the day, it's 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 about what the Buccaneers brought him in for, and that is to fix. I mean, you know, we can be nice about it all we want, but it's to fix their pass rush. Uh, this is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that you know in twenty twenty when. Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles and the entire staff showed up, didn't have the greatest pass rush. They got a little bit better during that first year, uh, or rather, sorry, that was 2019. But then in 2020, that defense really turned a corner and really kind of took the image of Todd Bowles and what he wants in his his pass rush and his secondary and all those things. And a lot of credit was given to Tom Brady, a lot of credit given to Bruce Arians. But really, if you go back through that postseason run, it's the defense and it's the pass rush. And then 2021 – it kind of took a hit. There were some injuries, you know, there were some some players uh that didn't really kind of perform as much as they did in 2020. And this is really a three-year mission now for the Buccaneers to reinvigorate that front seven pass rush. And Kalijah Cancy is just the latest part of that. And everybody is super excited because there's this kind of sense that you know, Joe Tryon and Schwenka didn't really do it, Logan Hall didn't really do it. Now there's this feeling of like Kalijah Cancy, but this is gonna be the guy that helps fix that bucks pass rush. That's
0: that's really interesting. Well, first of all, congratulations on the vindication. Uh yeah. it's a sweet feeling <laughs> to get something like that right. Uh yeah, I mean it, it's it's interesting because as you said, this is uh, Todd Bolt, this is Todd Bowl's team. And we yeah. saw what he was able to do in that Super Bowl run. And as you said, yeah, the, a lot of, obviously, Tom Brady is the golden boy. Everyone credits him. But that defense mm-hmm. was phenomenal and and a massive, massive reason. I would even argue a, a bigger reason. I, I yeah. mean, yeah, obviously, Tom Brady is really important. But w- without that defense, I don't think they can win that Super Bowl. I think that defense really stepped up big time in the same way mm-hmm. that a, a contemporary of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, we saw when he went out to Denver. It was the defense that really carried that, that team. And so we know how important the defense is in Tampa Bay. We know how important the defense is to Todd Bowles specifically now the head coach. And I think it is really important to to build from that. And one thing, Pitt has also had a similar mindset in that the the coach of the Panthers is Pat Narduzzi, who they brought over from Michigan State as the defensive coordinator. He's a Mm -hmm. defensive guy. And specifically on defense, the defensive line, his whole thing is it starts in the trenches And so defensive line has been his bread and butter. And even though Aaron Donald was just before him, that has been his priority. And they have had some phenomenal guys come through that defensive line. Kalijah Kansi, as I said, the best since Aaron Donald, he -hmm. is a beast. And I really think he's, he's going to be able to bring a, a big step up into the NFL because I, he, to me in many ways is similar to Aaron Donald in that, the the really the only downside is his size, and right. that was the the thing with Aaron Donald, who I believe went drafted 14th, mm-hmm. and it was largely because they said, oh, he's undersized. We don't know if he can play defensive tackle. He might be a defensive end, but and just based on purely on the size, and then he gets to the NFL and he proves people wrong. And to me, that's the same thing with Kalijah Cansey. Not he's not at the level of Aaron Donald. To me, Aaron Donald deserved to win yeah. the Heisman his senior year at Pitt, but. For for Kalaja Kansi, he, you just look at what he does on the field. He gets after it. He is a baller. He is a beast. And if the only downside is, yeah, he's a little bit undersized, and I think he's one inch shorter than Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. you, you can work around that. I, I don't think that that is – I don't think that's going to define him. And it's interesting to to look at the defensive line, and there are questions, is he a D-tackle? Is he a defensive end? I mean, to me, that's the one thing I'm not entirely sure where, where they'll slot him. What's your read on the, the Bucks' defensive line currently and where they think they'll have room for Kalashikansi?
1: Yeah, so he's going to primarily be a three tech, you know, that's, that's what uh, the Buccaneers are going to do with them. So they've got Vita Vea, their nose tackle. Uh, Todd Bowles is an odd front guy. You know, if, if you want to go the traditional route of it, it's a three, four base defense, but really doesn't matter if it's one, three, five uh, down defensive lineman. Todd Bowles, he's just, he's an odd front type of guy. And he really likes to use that defensive line to get penetration themselves. Yeah, help stop the run game, of course, but also open up the lanes and really absorb the blocks and force the offensive line to basically give lanes to outside linebackers like Shaquille Barrett or even off-ball linebackers that are coming on blitzes like Devin White uh, and Levante David. So with Kalilja Kanzi you pretty much expect him to come in fill that 3 tack role, which is the role uh, that in previous years has been filled by Indomik and specifically during the Super Bowl run uh, and the year following. And then uh, they had a, another veteran and. Uh, I apologize to him because his name is escaping my head right now, but he's no longer with the team. So, Kalijah Kansi is going to be expected to kind of fill that route. and I think that's 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 kind of the plan. That's been the plan all along. Kind of watching what Kalijah Kansi can do, and watching a little bit of pit film. Uh, you know, my co-host and I on Locked On Bucks, we each took two games: one from 2021, one from 2022, because we not only want to see what he can do on the field, but we also want to see kind of what the differences are from one year uh, to another. And something that I noticed about Kalijah, like you said. He is a little bit undersized for traditional defensive linemen, whether you're interior or exterior. Uh, You either want more length out of a guy that small or you want more girth out of a guy that short. And he doesn't have either. But what he does have is this amazing ability to just control the gap. And and that doesn't necessarily mean he's always getting into the backfield, but you don't always have to get into the backfield. Uh, We've seen reps where this guy gets double teamed uh, in the A-gap, and he holds both of his blockers in cement. You know what I mean? Neither of those guys can move to the next level. They can't get off of him. And move on to another block so you got one guy eating two linemen that gives you the opportunities for guys like servastia dennis for example to come free and to be able to make the play and at the end of the day a good teammate which i believe college Kansi looks like on film isn't going to care who made the play and, and when you watch him celebrate his own sacks and you watch him celebrate a teammate sack the celebration level is the same and that tells me that this is a guy who's more worried about the defense standing up than Kalijah Kansi standing up uh, and, and you know he'll eat when he needs to eat but he'll also facilitate his teammates, and that's exactly what what the Buccaneers defense is going to preach. Uh, but also, Todd Bowles is known. I mean, I've seen Todd Bowles line a safety up over the nose. You know what I mean? Like that's that's insane. Um, and I've seen cornerbacks play, you know, play defensive end for for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, Patrick Mahomes. That's one of the things in that Super Bowl that he really wasn't prepared for. There were snaps where they brought both of their perimeter corners in on motion as basically defensive ends standing up on on the sideline or on the on the line of scrimmage. and He had no idea what to do. Uh, with that type of look. So when you look at a guy like Kalaja Kansi, this opens the door for more even front sets. You could see Vita Veya and Kalaja Kansi both. You know, Vita shifts off the nose. Kalaja uh, reduces inside uh, into the A-gap, and you have those two guys, and now you've got guys like Logan Hall or or maybe a William Golston if they bring him back to man the defensive end spots, and now you've got a more traditional 4-3 look, but it's super athletic. Uh, and the way that Kalaja Kansi can shoot the gap is just, it's, it's amazing to me. Uh, both of us watched games and came, came in with observations. We watched completely different games, didn't cross notes, but we both had the note that there were reps where this guy shot through a gap before the two linemen had even moved out of their stance. And to me, that is absolutely amazing. So something that we're preaching to Bucs fans, and I know the Buccaneers have said multiple times, is his size is only going to be a problem if it's a problem. And right now, from the level of competition he's played in, it is yet to be a problem. And with Todd Bowles, Tutelage, Kalajicans, again, the apparent uh, team-first focus uh, that he brings to the team and then also playing next to a guy like Vita Vea is absolutely going to help. I don't expect it to be a problem in the NFL.
0: Yeah, that, that's a really good point in that, it, first of all, as you just said, being next to Vita Vea, he doesn't have to be the big bruiser. He doesn't have to be this giant guy anchoring yeah. a, at that nose tackle position. What so in terms of where he's drafted, the situation, which is obviously so crucial, more important right. than and everyone always says this. It's not where you get it's not when you get drafted, it's where you get drafted. So it's not, are mm-hmm. you the even the first round, the second round? Obviously the money's part of it, but it's really about where is going to be the right spot for you so that no matter what happens in, in your first contract, you earn a big second contract. You earn yeah. a long NFL career because you're able to showcase yourself at that first place. From everything you've said, this seems to be a phenomenal spot for him in that, again, Vita Veya, big guy. He doesn't have to be that, Kalasha mm-hmm. And his size, it's, it's almost... A benefit in terms of the versatility that he can bring So he can play inside, as you said, in a more traditional thing But also Todd Bowles, he he can be mad genius He can move people yeah. around and and he can, uh, you know He, he can give opportunities for Klaja Kansi in other places And then Kansi can, as you said, swallow up two offensive tackles And then give room for a linebacker to come in And it really seems like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of opportunity Just based on the, the that kind of defense and the opportunity that he's in, so it really does seem like if, if for Pit fans listening, this seems like a phenomenal spot for Kalijah Kansi to go. Where yeah, he's he's in a in a great position to be able to showcase himself. And as you said, the only weakness is size. That's not necessarily a huge deficit with this kind of defense. And Aaron Donald again, the 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 comparison. Obviously, you can't change height. But he did put on a good amount of muscle after he right. went to the NFL. And so that is something that a player can change. I would not at all be surprised if Kalijah Kansey in the next couple of years really starts bulking up if they if that's what they want from him. Because yep. he, you know, again, Aaron Donald, similar kind of profile. And he is now I saw a picture of him the other day uh, on Twitter. I think like the, the Rams tweeted it out him in the in the weight room. That is, it's like inhuman how just massive he is uh, lifting these weights, and and he wasn't that out of pit. So there's definitely a chance for Kalijah Kansi to become a bigger guy, become more muscular, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I was talking to, and this is a little bit off topic, but it's going to make sense once I get through the whole thing. I was talking to uh, former, former Washington Redskins cornerback Fred Smoot, when the commanders took Emmanuel Forbes, again, I cover both the Buccaneers and the commanders and, you know, the knock on Emmanuel Forbes is his size. He's got massive length. He's super athletic, but he is real thin. I mean, uh, if, if I remember the, the data correctly, no cornerback has been drafted that weighs under 170 pounds as high as he has, at least since 2000. And really, you could probably go beyond that as well. And none of them have really had productive NFL careers. But again, it's only going to be a problem if it becomes a problem. And something that Fred Smoop uh, said to me when we we're talking to him is that people have to remember uh, that he himself and, you know, Fred Smoop's not a Hall of Fame guy. We all know that. Right. But he had a good NFL career and he himself came into the NFL, quote unquote, undersized, underweight for his position. And he said, it's amazing the things that can happen if you have the right mindset, the right people talking to this kid and you get out of the cafeteria like you're not on a college campus anymore yeah. where you're eating college food you know and and don't be wrong like college staffs have nutritionists and doctors and they're telling these guys like this is what you need to eat but it's still college cafeteria food you know what i mean yeah um he said and, two and things schedule wise right like and schedule you wise, have yeah, to absolutely. balance class
0: and practice yeah. and this and that and you don't necessarily have time to make nutrition your number one thing when you're absolutely. in the nfl that that's your only responsibility. That's your only job is to focus yep. on football.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And that's that's when the that Fred said he's like something that comes with going to the NFL is yeah you get that check but you also get what he calls stakes and weights right so <laughs> he gets more time to work out more time to focus on his body construct and he's going to eat better because he's making good money he can afford uh, to go out there and eat <laughs> better nowadays and that's I think that's something you know and again it's a little tongue in cheek right but it, it makes a lot of sense because like you said like Kalaja can now he's got access to his state-of-the-art medical facility workout facility training facility 24 7 like if he wakes up on a wednesday morning during the off season and says man my calves feel really tight he can drive to tampa go to one buck and get a massage or get stretched out or get some physical therapy going or whatever he needs to get now again is he as a player going to take advantage of all these things well that's that's going to be the big question right but uh again it all just kind of goes back to the whole aspect of yeah it's it's only a problem if it's going to be a problem uh and he's not the first uh player to to come into the NFL who's got the undersized uh tag on him and obviously the buccaneers aren't worried about it because not only did they uh draft him undersized but they draft uh they draft Sarvasi Dennis who is quote unquote undersized for his position uh, as well so you know, the aggression, the burst, the electricity is what they're after with these two guys. That's what they've got. That's what they expect to accentuate. So, you know, it's it's uh it's it's all about just trusting the process and understanding what they have uh in the skill sets.
0: Yeah, and that that's a great segue into it. Is there's definitely a theme in these two draft picks that they take out of pit. And that is both of these guys, yeah, they're undersized, but you look at their their game film from college, you look at their leadership, and they they just have that high engine. And mm-hmm. they are determined players. They're both great leaders. They, they were both great leaders at Pitt. And so there's definitely that that similarity between those two guys. It's not surprising that one team, what they see out of Kalaja Kansi, they also see out of Sarasi Dennis. And so let, let's talk about Dennis. Again, the similar kind of thing. He's a playmaker. He gets after it. Yeah. He's not on the defensive line. He's a He's a linebacker, but he's... He is undersized. He's not great in coverage. He's definitely a, uh, for, for certain situations, when when you need to get after the quarterback or blow up a run play or something like that, he can charge in and, and break through that that offensive yeah. line. What do you see out of him in terms of, obviously, the expectations aren't going to be as high being a fifth-round draft pick, but right. what do you see out of him in terms of maybe where he could slot in and what expectations you have for him and you think the team might have for him?
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be the third uh, off-ball linebacker on the depth chart, right? You have you have Devin White up front, and then you've got Levante David right there next to him. Uh, really, K.J. Britt, the guy that they got out of Auburn a few years ago, has been kind of the number two off-ball linebacker. He's had some struggles in actual game action when he's gotten in with the defense, mostly a special teams contributor. Uh, so I think Cervasi a. Dennis has a really good opportunity to come in and kind of grab that third off-ball linebacker job behind Devin White, behind Levante David. And the interesting thing there. Because both of those guys are are on are in contract years, right? Levante David signed a one year deal to return to Tampa this offseason. Uh Devin White is now infamously uh, uh, combating or combative about his contract situation. He wants an extension before the season starts. The team says they're not going to do it. They're going to watch him play, and then they'll decide what to do at the end of the year. We'll see uh, if anybody blinks, and if so, who it is that blinks first. But the the likelihood that there is a job to be had in 2024 for Servassi Dennis. Uh, is certainly there, and yeah, he's he's brought in immediately for that aggressive style of play, that willingness to hit, uh, that electricity that you just kind of talked about, that leadership. I mean, the, the the Buccaneers love team captains. I don't know an NFL team uh, right now that really doesn't. But that's certainly something that attracted them to to a guy like Dennis. And you know, it's again, it's going to be kind of where does he develop uh, in relation to the coaches? You know, ever since the Bruce Arians crew came in, they're really big on their coaches being teachers. Teachers. It's not just, it's not enough to just say. Sarasi, so look, when that running back comes out on the wheel, we need you to take this kind of an angle and anticipate it this early and be able to see it because of these keys. They expect their coaches to not only say that's what you're supposed to do, but here's how we want you to be able to recognize it. Here's how we want you to get better at that. And really the biggest case study uh, that this defensive staff can hang their hat on right now, and he's not going to have the same position coach, granted, but it was really sparked by by Todd Bowles himself, is cornerback Jamel Dean. Um, you know, Non-Buccaneers fans aren't going to remember this, but in Jamel Dean's rookie season, There was a game against Seattle Seahawks where he got absolutely torched. I don't know the exact stat line, but it's something like six catches he gave up for about 200 yards and like three touchdowns. And I'm not I'm I'm a little bit exaggerating, but I'm not really exaggerating. And I remember saying on the Locked on Bucks podcast that for a young cornerback like that, this is the kind of game where you're not sure if he's going to bounce back. You're not sure. Like, that's the kind of game that could literally ruin a dude's career as it's getting started. Right, because that's such an ego blow. And what the reports were coming after that and what we're finding out from one buck is that Jamel and Todd are staying after, they're staying late together and they're watching film. And Todd is sitting there next to him and saying, look, dude, here's where you messed up. Here's where I want you to get better. And we have seen Jamel Dean grow to the point where coming into this offseason, he and their number two, technically their number two cornerback, Sean Murphy Bunsen, were both up for contracts. The Buccaneers retained Jamel Dean. They allowed Sean Murphy Bunsen to walk in free agency. That's how far he has come is that now he is the number two cornerback. Uh, for Todd Bowles on that defense. say Dennis is going to have that same opportunity, come in with the natural ability, the raw skills, the electricity, the energy, the aggression that you play with, but also come and learn from these teachers. And if he can do that, uh, look, the biggest knock on Devin White is his inability to cover. Um, the problem is when you watch Devin White from his rookie year to uh, going into his fifth season, and you know we'll see what it looks like this year, there's not a lot of differences in the way he attacks his coverage ability. So what that tends to signify is you have a player who is, we know this coaching staff teaches. So if their teacher is teaching, the student is not learning. And for one reason or another, it's just not clicking. That's one of the reasons he doesn't have a new contract yet. That's something they want to see out of him before they commit to him long term is that ability to become a pass, pass covering linebacker. They no mistake about it. They ask their linebackers to run, defend and pass rush more often than a lot of other defenses do, but you do still have to be able to cover uh, in in the past defense game, that's something that Devin White has not been able to do yet. If Servasi Dennis can come in, learn those skills, put some effort towards that, and become a better don't have to be the best, don't have to be, be even be great, but just become a solid uh, pass defender, especially against running backs coming out of the backfield, then he's going to carve out a role for himself in this defense.
0: Yeah, really interesting because there there were two things there. One is talking about the opportunity. This year, but moving forward, where if Devin White, as you said, the two guys in front of him, they're on one-year contracts, and so they're, they're on the, the last year of their contracts. So, there could be a situation where if Servassi Dennis can prove himself, even in somewhat limited scenarios this year, yeah. that gives the team the confidence to next year say, okay, we're not going to give Devin White this huge contract. We can let him walk because we've got Servassi Dennis. And and then he can expand his role moving forward. I think that's definitely a nice opportunity to sort of give him a year to prove himself and and show what he can do and perhaps give the team confidence that he can be a number one or a number two guy in that spot. And the other thing you mentioned is the culture in terms of coaching. And I do think that's really important in, in terms of obviously – Part of it of uh, going to the NFL is going to be the culture of being in the NFL, culture of a new location. Although for Elijah Kansi, he's from not from Tampa, but he's from South Florida. He's from Miami, right. and so he's going back to his home state. Culture-wise, in that aspect, it's um, you know kind of perfect. But yeah, it's it's part of it that that where you're going and being in a new area is is going to be a factor. But a lot of it, I think, is just the culture of the coaching staff and the culture of the expectations and what they want out of you. And it seems so similar, both in Tampa Bay and at Pitt. And it's actually really interesting that the Pitt had four players drafted in the first five rounds of this NFL draft. And they had someone in the sixth and someone in the seventh. But four players drafted in the the first five rounds, two of them went to Tampa Bay, two of them went to the Jets. And in both cases, there's a similar kind of culture with that defensive-minded head coach. Robert Sala in New York and then Todd Bowles in Tampa Bay and really making that the the primary focus and how in both cases that matches up, as I mentioned earlier, with Pat Narduzzi and that mindset of, you know, these aren't guys that were going to be drafted to Kansas City. For instance, mm-hmm. these are guys who are, are going to these places where they value defense and even more importantly, they value ballers on defense and they can work with the other things they can work with size they can work with with weight and athleticism and and the the coaching staff can explain here's what we want and they're confident in that that coaching staff in tampa bay that any deficits in terms of say pass coverage with Servasi dennis they can help him teach they can help teach that they can help him learn how to do that but they want to look at game film and see guys who just have an instinct at how to get after it and have a high motor. And that's the case with, it seems both Kansasy and Dennis.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think the great thing too, if you're coming into the NFL with any type of doubt around you and you mentioned Kansas city, I'll be honest with you. If Kalaja Kansi lasted to the Kansas city chiefs pick, I'm pretty sure they were going to take him and that <laughs> next, to Chris, <laughs> that's true. next to Chris Jones on that defense. That would have been a nightmare for anybody playing the chiefs to deal with. Um, the great thing about the Buccaneers coaching staff that I, that I really like about them is that they're willing to be wrong, right? And and that is something that not every coaching staff is willing to be. And, and you know, uh, there's enough Patriot bashing out there in the world for to fill a lifetime, but like Bill Belichick is the kind of guy who doesn't like to be wrong. So if you don't come in and fit kind of what he envisions for you to be on his team, he just gets rid of you, right? Where the Buccaneers, they came in and and, and you take a guy that they drafted just last year, Luke Gedeke, Uh, who came in he was a right tackle in college he comes in they're like no we want to put you at left guard so they let him compete during OTAs rookie camp training camp all that as a a left guard he doesn't win the starting job but because of injury he ends up thrust into the starting job and uh let's just put it kindly he had a terrible terrible run as a left guard to start his career in the National Football League now the Buccaneers eventually said okay you know enough is enough they pulled him off they put another guy in there and said hey look you just got to stabilize this As best you can, you know, if you watch the NFL, you know, the Buccaneers offensive line wasn't the greatest uh, last year uh, for a lot of different reasons. But now this year, his second season, a lot of times you say, "Okay, well, this dude's career is done. He's going to go down as a wasted draft pick. You know, you don't really call him a bust because he's a mid-round guy anyway. But, you know, he's just going to be a wasted pick. But instead, the Buccaneers re-looked at him and said, you know what, dude, we're going to give you some run at right tackle next year. So he's been preparing this offseason. He's coming into OTAs. He's coming into training camp competing, not just to play right tackle in the NFL now, but start at right tackle. So not only are they not holding everything that happened against them, they're actually giving them a brand new opportunity, wiping the slate clean and say, look, let's reteach this thing. Let's reanalyze this thing. And let's see if we can use your skills in a different position, in a different way, because we are the ones who made the mistake, not necessarily you. And I think that's a great thing for an NFL team to do. Now, Collage Canty can't move to off-ball linebacker, right? And Servasier Dennis isn't going to move to defensive end. But if the things aren't working that they need them to be able to do off the right off the bat, this is not a team that's just going to say, OK, Kalaja, you are too small, dude. Sorry, I didn't work out and just cast them aside. No, they're going to work and they're going to try to figure out how to make this puzzle happen. So, you know, if you're a Pitt fan, it's not a Bucks fan and you just kind of loosely pay attention to your players in the NFL like a lot of college fans do, and you hear early on, oh, Kaleja Kansi, like, first five games, no sacks, only three pressures, and, you know, he's just not getting a lot of penetration. Doesn't mean he's a bust. Doesn't mean the Buccaneers wasted him. They they have the ability and the willingness, what I think was more important, uh, to adjust, say, okay, that didn't work. Let's find a different way.
0: Really interesting. So, yeah, it's – I mean, Pitt fans, they're going to be following the Bucs closely, especially with Kaleja Kansi. And also, Sarasi Dennis. people – pit fans love the guy and and yeah. they, i mean they love both of them so it's gonna be a high priority and there are a lot of pit fans who aren't necessarily tied to an nfl team uh, obviously mm-hmm. there's there's the steelers connection and now yeah. with kenny pickett but a lot of pit fans either aren't from pittsburgh or for whatever reason they don't they don't root for the steelers they don't like the, the Steelers and so they they do just sort of follow their guys and so they'll follow mm-hmm. they'll root for the Cardinals with James Conner and they'll root for the yeah. Bengals with Tyler Boyd and the Bills with Demar Hamlin and and now the Bucks are going to be on that list where people are to, they rooted for the Bucks when Jordan Whitehead was there and so yep. uh love Jordan love yeah. Jordan I was
1: I was incredibly upset when he when he uh unfortunately left but you know,
0: yeah yeah. so and there. and uh we, we did another podcast um talking about the the Jets, uh, the players going to the Jets and, and Jordan Whitehead, who's already there now. And so that's that's going to be the case where now when when the Bucs are on, Pit fans are going to be watching that defense and they're going to be rooting for for Tampa Bay. And so that'll be really interesting to see with this this NFC South that's pretty wide open obviously Mm -hmm. a new quarterback in tampa bay new quarterback in carolina i mean every everything is seems to be wide open so the expectations seem to be pretty high this isn't a team an organization that's rebuilding and this is a a three-year project where you're sort of just waiting for that top team to die down and no this is there's an opening there any one of those teams has a chance they were what one game apart last year between first and fourth so anyone has a chance Tampa Bay is really going to be going for it. Uh, what do you expect out of uh, the team this year? And with with Kansi and with Dennis, what do you think they'll be able to contribute to, to this team's goals?
1: Yeah, I've got Kansi uh, slotted in as a starting 3 tech next to, uh, to Vita V on the defensive line. Greg Gaines, former Rams defensive end, came over in the offseason as a free agent, is the other defensive end uh, that I have penciled in. And then Savassi Dennis, first off-ball linebacker off the bench, uh, to contribute to the defense, which means he will get he will get some snaps, uh, but primarily a special teams guy with the potential, like we talked about, uh, to become a starter in in the near future, uh, possibly in the next next two seasons uh, after his his rookie year is done. That's kind of what I expect from them right off the bat. As far as the NFC South, I mean, the Buccaneers could win the thing; they could finish dead last. And I think you can yep. say the same thing about every single team in the NFC South. So it's it's gonna be uh, hectic, but it's going to be a lot of fun to cover because all of that unknown really, uh, it drives fans crazy, but from a media aspect, it really keeps everything, uh, incredibly entertaining. And, and yeah, Cervasier, I mean, just talking about him, uh, both my co-host and I, when we watched our games, there were, we both commented that there were several reps that we had to go back and watch because as we're watching the rep, all of a sudden we realized we're watching number seven. <laughs> uh, not, not number eight. And, you know, that's not a dig at Kalaja. It just does. It does. It's an example of just how much Servassier pops on the film. So um that's a great thing. You know, we're working through the other Bucks draft picks first, but once we get to the off ball linebacker position, uh, I can't wait to get more Cervasier Dennis film uh digested because again, like I said, I, watching Kalaja, I've already digested some of it. Right. Um, there was, there was a hit that he and a, another pit player laid. I think it was, I think it was in the Syracuse game uh in, in 2022 that I was watching. That he and a teammate just collided on this. I think it was Syracuse uh, receiver. And I man, I just feel bad for that receiver. But it was one of the cleanest, most efficient hits I've ever seen a linebacker put on a guy. And to say that that guy is undersized, hey man, you might be undersized, but those hits hurt just as bad. <laughs> I promise. I promise you that. So actually, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was Syracuse. Um, but anyway, so yeah, super excited for these guys again. How the Bucks are going to do? Look, man, there's people inside the Buccaneers organization that think Baker Mayfield could be their starter for the next decade. What? You know, we'll see. we'll see. We'll see if that's true. Uh, but that's going to have a big part of this. But we're super excited about this draft class, super excited by both these pick guys.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. I mean, it's it's there. there's different philosophies in terms of drafting and, and who you, the kinds of players that you take. And sometimes teams will take someone who didn't do much in college but they've got size and they, or they project that they're going to be really good. And they say, Oh, he's, he's really athletic. And he, we saw that even last year, there's a totally different position, but like Malik Willis uh, pit fans Hmm. were hearing this similar kind of thing last year of Malik Willis is, Oh, he can become a, a top quarterback. He's got the size, the athleticism, the speed, all that. Yeah. We didn't really see much from him in college, but he we can project that he's gonna be great. Meanwhile, Kenny Pickett was someone who did a ton in college, was a Heisman finalist, but there were you know some questions about his hand size and stuff like that. Well, right. a year later, Kenny Pickett's the starting quarterback for the Steelers, Malik Willis is like a third string already. So mm. it's it's interesting that these different philosophies in terms of who, when they're actually on a football field, can really show out, and then you worry about the other stuff when you get there. With both of these players, Kalashikansi and Cervasi Dennis, the one thing you won't have to worry about if you're a Tampa Bay Bucs fan is these guys, they go all out. They mm-hmm. And when you you look at the game film, they have been great players. Sure, there might be some things that don't translate as well to the NFL. We'll see, as you said, size is a problem only if it's a problem. Yeah. But the number one thing, in my opinion, that you're looking for when you're drafting a player is what did they do on the football field? Because that's one thing with every single player. They go to college. They spend three years there. What did they do actually in between the sidelines? Both of these guys were phenomenal players and leaders, I should say. And so in in that uh, in that case, I think uh, Bucks fans should be excited. And from everything that we've talked about, I think Pitt fans should be really excited that they've ended up with the Buccaneers because I think it's a really good spot for both.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we can't wait.
0: Well, uh, David Harrison, thank you so much from the Locked on Bucks podcast. Again, really appreciate you coming on. The, this was really fun.
1: Yes, sir. I appreciate the invite.
0: All right. Thanks so much. And we will be back next week talking a little bit more about the NFL draft as a whole uh, here on Football Unscripted. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Pit Talk Network.